Matthew 17. Just a couple of verses. We have two readings. First reading is Matthew 17, verses 22 and 23. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him. And the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. Our second reading is in Matthew chapter 26. If you'll flick over, please. Matthew chapter 26. And a few verses. Let's read from verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his, unto his disciples, You know that after two days is the feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified. They assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas, and consulted that they might take, him, take Jesus by subtlety and kill him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the sense of your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your anointing. We thank you, Lord, for your promises. We thank you, Father, for Jesus. We thank you for the blood of the Lamb. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you for your Holy Spirit in us. We thank you, Lord, that you're among us. We thank you, Lord, that you're doing wonders that we can't even understand. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, you gave yourself into the hands of sinful men. Lord, you allowed them to take you to Calvary. And there you died for us. Glorify your Son, Father. In the next few moments that are left for the preaching of thine own divine word, we pray that you'll glorify your Son. For Jesus' name's sake, I ask it. Amen. Our first reading in Matthew 17, you'll see, and then in Matthew 26 in our second reading, you'll see two types of heart, two types of heart in our two readings. First of all, in Matthew 17, at the end of verse 23, after saying that he would die, we're told the disciples they were exceeding sorry. Notice that. Notice their heart. They are exceeding Sorry. Then in Matthew 26, at the end of verse 4, we're told of the Pharisees and the, the scribes, the Jewish leaders, that they consulted that they might take him by subtle day and kill him. Notice the difference in their hearts, that they might take him by subtle day and kill him. Now, the first were not only sorry, that is, his disciples, his followers, but they were exceeding sorry. The word exceeding here means they were very, very sorry. Jesus is going to die, and they were very, very sorry. Now, I'm sure they were when they heard that he was going to die. But really, it seems that they were very, very sorry because the one who had given so much to them, was going to be taken from them. And so it's still, even in a believer's heart, that when there's not too much in it for the believer, Jesus, then why do I follow you? 
then why do I follow you? Brothers and sisters, you and I should have an exceeding sorry heart for the things that Christ has went through for us, not for what Christ can give us. Notice this, they were exceeding sorry or very, very sorry. And the idea of this here in the original text gives the idea of a type of violence. Strange, it's used for violence in places. There was a violence came into their heart. A violence of sorrow. Sorrow gripped their heart. Sorrow captivated their heart. Sorrow took their heart. And they were sorry. They were sorry. Jesus, in verse 22, said, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of man. Verse 23, And they shall kill him. And as I said, if we look at the violence against Jesus, the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of man. They shall kill him. Never mind what the rest of them were feeling. Never mind what the disciples were thinking. What was on the mind of Christ? I think of that house he was in with his friends. That woman looking at him seen the very consternation on his face of Calvary, of the pain, of the suffering, of the doing and the dying, bearing your sin and mine, the very enormity of it. And while the disciples like James and John were wondering, who's going to be the greatest? While that was on their minds, we were on his. We were on the mind of the Savior. This woman comes in. She ministers unto the Lord. She was in tune. She was attentive to what Christ was thinking, going through and feeling. And so she comes and ministers to him before Calvary. You see, when we look at the violence that happened to the Lord Jesus, the betrayal of God's goodness, the betrayal of God's gentleness, the betrayal of God's big, generous, and gracious heart, the beautiful Son of God, the Son of Man, into the hands of sinful men. Hands of violence, hands of greed, hands of depravity. Hands of sinful men. Luke calls them sinful men in Luke 24 and verse 7. Devil doesn't want us to hear this, does he? Imperfect hands, unholy hands, hands that will do violence, take him by force, hands that will take him to a place of interrogation, hands with hate, and they would manhandle our Savior, the lovely Son of God. Jesus said, and they shall kill him. And they shall kill him. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 63, Jesus tells us that the men that 
that held Jesus, mocked him and smote him. This is when he's arrested now. And he's taken to Caiaphas and into Pilate. And the men were holding him while he was beaten on the face. They were holding him while they mocked him. They were holding him while they stripped him naked. They were holding him. The men that held Jesus. Oh, what about that for violence? We're told that the men that held Jesus, what a privilege. What a privileged position these men had to have in their grasp the Son of God. What a privilege it was for those men to hold on to him. The men that held Jesus, that mocked him and smote him and scorned him. They were in a a place of honor, a place of blessing. Such a change could happen if they just realized whom they were holding. If they would just realize who was so close to them, who was so near to them. If they would just realize how blessed they were for in their hands. was everything. The men that held Jesus such a waste. In their hands was the answer to every question. In their hands was the calm to their every storm. In their hands was their answer to every difficulty. In their hands was their answer for sin and uncleanness. The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, he said. Sinful hands. Hands of these sinful men held more than they could ever know. The hands of these sinful men held more than they could ever think or imagine when they held on to Christ. The hands of these sinful men, if they could just realize who he is, who he was, who he he ever will be. I think of that lady with the issue of blood. That lady who crawled through the press, the great crowd around Christ, as it were, just to touch the hem of his garment. Because you see, if I could hold him in my hands, I'd be healed. I think of those disciples afraid and fear of the Jews in a room that was closed and locked shut and Christ, the resurrected Christ, comes and he stands before them. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have, he said. Oh, blessed disciples! The hands of sinful men. Notice this. These sinful men, if they realized in their hands, their sinful hands, they held the only begotten Son of God. In their sinful hands, they held uh, the beloved Son of the Father. In their hands, they held the Amen and the Amen of God. In their hands, they held the brightness of the Father's glory. In their hands, they held He 
who was chosen of God and elect, as the Scriptures tell us. The one who was called and the consecrated one, Jehovah calls him. They held in their hands he who was spoken of as the covenant to the people and the consolation of his people Israel. In their hands, these sinful hands of sinful men, the men that held him, held the bright and the morning star. If they'd only have knew that they held the very dew of heaven. If these men could only realize in their hands they held the, del- the, the delight of the Father, His honorable, His true and only Son. They held his, the root out of a dry ground, the Father's tender plant. In their hands they held His dear Son, the son of his love. If these men before Pilate could just realize that in their hands they held, in their sinful hands, the altogether lovely one. He who is the chiefest among 10,000, the fairer than all of the children of men, was in their hands. These men could only see they held in their hands the crown of glory and a diadem of beauty. They held the desire of all nations. They held the bread of life, the bread of God, the fountain of living waters. He who was the end of the curse of the law. They held he who is the ensign to the people They held in their hands he who is the express image of the invisible God, the express image of the Father. He is betrayed into the hands of sinful men. Jesus is the just one. That's whom they held. He is the king of glory. They held in their hands the light of the world. They held in their hands the life of men. These sinful men, they held in their hands the love of God come down to mankind. He is Lord, Lord of lords, Lord God omnipotent. He is the Lord God almighty, the Lord from heaven, the Lord of the quick and the dead or the living and the dead. He is the Lord of glory, Lord of all, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the whole earth, and he's the Lord of the harvest. And they held him in their hands. And they held him in their hands. Sinful. Marred hands. They held him in their hands. Take caution. Take caution. And beware. Take caution. And beware. For in your hands close to you now understand who's in your midst the son of man shall be betrayed into the hands of sinful men he is the man of God's right hand 
Jehovah says he is the man that is my fellow, my co-laborer, my co-worker. You see, God sent him and he says, he's my fellow. And these men held him and beat him. All violence. We talk about violence of heart. Christ had violence of heart and violence against his very body. He is the star of Jacob. He is of the seed of Abraham. He is one who has come out of the stem of Jesse from the root of David. He is the seed of the woman and the savior of man. He's our teacher in the scriptures. He's called the truth. He is the true God and he is the eternal life. He is God's unspeakable gift, the faithful and true witness. He's the word of God, the wisdom of God, the way to God. He's equal with God because he is almighty God. And they held him in their sinful, depraved hands. Our lovely Savior, the wonderful Christ, the wonderful Savior. They held him in their hands. He is called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. This is whom they had in their hands and done violence to. Now, when he says in Luke 17 and 22, the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. The word betrayed is the same. It means he'll be delivered. <coughs> delivered up. Was he to die? It is finished. Was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah. What a savior. Notice this. Matthew 11 and 12 says, The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. The violence that took heaven's jewel, the violence that took the Father's heart and the Father's love, the, the same violence if we could even measure a portion, a percentage of it, should cause our hearts, your heart brother, your heart sister, and my heart. Oh God, Father, make it cause every sinner's heart, cause every sinner's heart to feel exceeding sorry, very, very sorry. Feel so sorry for our sin and for our failure. So sorry for who we are and for letting you down. We should feel the pangs of it. And why? Because he done it for you and me. Because he died for us. He died for us. Let us feel the violence of our hearts. After all, it was us that placed him there. So in Matthew 17 and 22 and 23, he says, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, and they shall kill him. They shall kill him. Now, you see, there's a difference here because the disciples are thrown into disarray. In Matthew 17, the exact same chapter from verses 1 to 9, you'll read that Jesus takes Peter and James and John, and he brings them up a mountain. 
And there they have this vision of Christ glorified, his face shining brighter than the sun and his, his clothes glistering. And there is Elijah and Moses speaking to him. And if you look, what are they talking about? They're talking about Calvary. Calvary. Now, that these disciples, three of them have seen this. Look at our master. Look at his glory. Look at his wonder. Look at his splendor. Yet, by the time we get to the verses 22 and 23, or just a short time, in time, we find that Jesus is now speaking about his demise. He's probably now at this time coming to the, if you want, the apex of his ministry, the very peak of his popularity. And now he starts speaking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. And those words are spirit. They're not real spirit and life. He starts talking about deeper things and gives them meat to eat. And many can't take it and walk away from him. And they know there's going to be more down the line. And we find here that here in Matthew 17, 22, 23, the difference between Matthew 17, 1 to 9 he goes from up the mountain, if you want. Now he's down in the valley. He's going from glory, being seen in that vision. From glory, now he's speaking off the grave. But master, we've seen you wipe them out. Master, we've seen you come down in your power. Master, we've seen you bring Moses and Elijah and all the angels of heaven and just sort the Roman Empire out. Just sort all the, 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 the Pharisees out and the, the Jewish scribes out. And sure, everything will be great. See, he would be delivered into the hands of sinful men. They shall kill him. Why? Because he had to die. He had to shed his blood. That someone like me and someone like you can be forgiven of their sin and can be blood washed and saved. They were exceeding sorry because that's all they heard. They shall kill him. <laughs> oh, well, well, what are we going to do now? <laughs> Many people hear only what they want to hear. Many people see part of what they want to see. And many get caught up with the fear of what they've heard, seen, or previously believed, but they missed the whole point of what Christ was telling them. Yes, he was up the mount transfigured as it's called, as it's known. And yes, he showed his glory. Yes, they saw it. And now he's speaking of being killed. But listen, he didn't stop there. He said, the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, and they shall kill him. That's all they heard. But Jesus went on to say, on the third day, he shall be raised again. He says, don't worry, because the glorious one you saw on the mountain will be the victorious one from the grave. Oh, brothers and sisters, we're so exceeding sorry at times for the things that's happening because we see everybody talks about the demise of the church. That's nonsense. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The word here, exceeding, as I said, means very, very sorry, or very, very much. It gives the idea of something excessive and great. 
violence, like a restlessness took them. The word can also be used for joy, exceeding joy. For example, Matthew 2 and 10, when they saw the star, that's the, 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 the Magi or the wise men as they're known, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. It's the exact same word, the exact same context, only their joy was so exuberant. Why? Because they had read the scriptures, because they had looked at the skies. They saw the star of Jacob and the star of Bethlehem. They followed the star. And when they saw it, they said, He's come! Just as the scriptures have said. They were rejoicing. They were rejoicing. You see, we know that Christ was crucified by the hands of sinful men. But do you know, After about two years after the crucifixion, Josephus, the Jewish historian in the Antiquities of the Jews, writes this. And he says that uh, Vitellius, who was the, the Roman governor in Syria, he disposed of Pilate, the Roman governor, in Jerusalem. And he was banished to some remote place in Ireland. Some say that there he committed suicide. But Caiaphas, the high priest in our reading, whom they stood before also, he was deposed, disposed, and it came that whenever they put him out. Do you know what happened? He couldn't handle the shame from where his great height he had fallen from being the high priest. And we're told that he also he committed suicide. Be careful. Now look at me. Be careful. Be careful. How you handle the things of God. Be careful when you have in your hands the jewel of heaven. Be careful when he's in our midst. And the Spirit is moving to reverence Him, to respect Him. Be careful. And let's give Him the preeminence on everything that we are and do. If you turn just to Matthew 21, we're going to look at this for a few minutes and then I'll close. Matthew 21, Jesus is speaking of this. Let your eye run down to verse 33. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and heads round about and digged a winepress in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one, killed another and stoned another again. He sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him. Notice, they handled him. They caught him. And cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. 
When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, He will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their season. Jesus in the parable says that Israel was planted in what's known as the Holy Land. And he says to those who he's speaking of in his day here, Prophets were sent to see if there's fruit. And we know the story through the scriptures. They sinned and they sinned. There was no fruit and he cast them out. And now here we have a remnant left of Judah or the Jews and they're now left here. And he said, they said, I'll send my son, the father says. They'll reverence him. But they caught him. They manhandled him. Their hearts were sinful. Now listen, what will they do? He says, when he returns, he says, he will miserably destroy them. Imagine that. Imagine that. You see, they tried to cast Jesus out. And man, in his wickedness, still tries to cast Jesus out. Herod, we know King Herod of the, the, the baby killer because he tried to catch the Christ of God. Herod tried to kill him. Herod wasn't a true Judahite or Jew. He was an Edomite, a proselytized Edomite. And he tried to cast him out. He tried to slay him. We're told at the pool of Bethesda when Jesus healed the man in John 5 and 18, it says the Jews therefore sought the more to kill him. You see, and we read through the Gospels of times they sought to kill him. On the cross, mocking, jeering, rejoicing, while watching him in pain and agony, while listening to his cries from that tree, while the Romans cast lots for his garments and casting insults at him, they thought he was finished when he took his final breath. It is finished, he cried. Listen, he didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. So the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of sinful men. They shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. Brothers and sisters, friend, the spirit of Antichrist has existed throughout history. Christ through his church, found himself to be betrayed into the hands of sinful men many times. Think of the Spanish Inquisition. Before that, the hands of Nero in Rome, tarring men and women, putting them to stakes, and using them for his candlelight in the Colosseum at night while they burned. Thinking of children sewed up inside animals and lions set free, Christian children. And as the animals were eaten by the lions, and the ravenous beasts burst through with their fangs of the flesh, with living children inside, those Christians just had to cry, Heal Caesar, and bow the knee to Caesar, and forget about Christ. But no one stared. They not only let their children die, they then died themselves. They tried to put out the Christ. 
throughout history. He was betrayed into the hands of sinful men by the governments. Legislation has come in. They're trying to cast Christ out by religions, false religions. They're trying to cast Christ out by atheist, humanistic, communist liberalism that we see right through the whole of the United Kingdom. Every time you see those who are liberals that call themselves are socialists, socialists rather, every time you see them and every time you see them march looking for their political correctness, you know what they're doing? They're saying, we don't want Christ in our land. We don't want Christ in our nation. We don't want Christ in our homes. We don't want Christ in our schools. We don't want Christ in our universities. And he is again and again and again as Christians standing for the word of God and end up in courtrooms across the land. Just a few weeks ago, there were two men simply reading God's word in public from the King James Bible. And they were both taken to court and fined for it. They want Christ out of them. Christ is again placed into the hands of sinful men. The gay agenda, the LGBT agenda, the, the choice of abortion on demand agenda. They, they're, taking, they're taking Christ and his word and his gospel and they're saying, we don't want him here anymore. Away with him. What will he do when he comes back again? He will miserably destroy those wicked people, he says. Oh, thank God for his grace and for his salvation. And I finish with this. Jesus says, on the third day he shall rise again. Aye. In Bible prophecy, I'm not going into it now, that's it over, but we're living in the third millennium. We've just reached it. And we're living in it. It's called the third day. A day is with the Lord is a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. Jesus is away two thousand years. We are just living. We have just entered into the third day. You know what's happening? He says, they'll kill me. See, they're trying to kill him. Taking them out of the schools and the universities and teaching evolution to our children and for eight hours a day. They're getting like you know, millions of billions and trillions of years old and all this sort of stuff and, and they're getting all this given to them over and over and over again in, in social media on, on, the, on their television programs we're all being programmed every one of us we're being programmed every day to accept that which God has called abomination and sin and before we know it well sure we're liberal and it's okay to do it but God says it's not Oh, you're very hard today. I've always been like that. Because I came from a world like that. I came from a life like that. And Christ set me free from it. Yes, they're trying to destroy Christ. The sinful men that hold him when they bring a Christian to court, the sinful men that hold him and want to bother him. But you know what? Nobody says, 
It doesn't finish there, Christian. Church, it doesn't finish there. Don't be getting down. Don't be fretting. Don't be worrying. He says, because they're going to do that to me, but on the third day, I'll be raised again. Do you know what they're doing? They're trying to kill him. But the third day, he's coming back again. Christ is coming. Jesus is coming back again. We're living in the third day. And the things of the signs of the times that are all around us, they're screaming at mankind. They're screaming from the scriptures. Jesus is coming again. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says on the third day, I will rise again. I'm not going to be exceeding sorry for any of it. Except I'm going to exceeding rejoice in the glory and the goodness of my Savior. What do you say, brothers and sisters? Praise his holy name. Praise his holy name. Praise his name. Oh, the hearts and the hands of sinful men. And you know, at times we're still like that. Oh, I'm so sorry, but Lord, what about us? <laughs> he says, never mind you. I'll die, but I'm coming again. 